2: T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply.
1: It feels so good to be back. Man, it feels like it's been forever. Two weeks off, or really it's one week off, but it's been two weeks since we recorded the Corner Podcast. I know you guys have been asking what's going on, but we had to take some family time. It was the holidays. So we are back. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. He is in L.A. for Wilder versus Fury, which is turning out to be the heavyweight boxing match we've all wanted and all deserved for years. And it's going to be interesting to get your perspective because you were there for Anthony Joshua. You saw the madness that was London and how they treated him in the U.K. And now you get to see how it's going here for Deontay Wilder. So we got to compare between the two and everything that's wrapped up in this week but as you guys know, we start off talking about pop culture and everything else happening in the world outside of combat sports. So, Dre, let's get into it. 6ix9ine was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> All the combat oh, sports oh. stuff to talk about, and 6ix9ine is arrested. Can I shout Trey away? Can I shout that out on the podcast without getting indicted? I ain't trying to go back to the clink, Trey. Right? We got to make sure we're we're good to talk about this.
2: My God, man. I mean, this is keeping the real goals wrong. And this was, look, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. The fact that when I heard this, I was just like, word, that's what he gets. Like, there are so many things to, that we have to worry about going to jail for, and none of them have to do with faking the funk. I mean, racketeering
1: is real. Bugsy Siegel got caught on racketeering. This is some real yeah. old gangster shit.
2: This this man, like man. Takashi is such a fraud though, dog. It's like <laughs> for, for this for this to catch up to in the way he did like things like you know, like white collar crimes, you know, like racketeering. It's not like He's not, he's not getting his hands dirty like he claims he was. You know what I'm saying? Like the Chief Keefe beef and all that stuff. <laughs> what he's getting caught up for is like the nonsense. You know, it's like cryptocurrency and shit like that. Like, it's just good. I, look, dog.
1: <laughs> Funding a criminal empire.
2: Treyway. Uh, yeah, it's just, come on, man. <laughs> Go sales. Do not pass gold. Do not collect $200. Get the fuck out of here. This hurts because
1: yeah. this was like my ratchetness of the year. So yeah. anyone who's seen me on Twitter, I've openly supported the ratchetness that Six Tekashi69. And then later, Just69 and the videos and, and bring the hood out in New York and grandma in front of the stoop with the blood gang uh, rag around her head. They put it on the little white pitbull, such a cute little bull with the red rag around his neck. Brought me back to my youth in NY when people were, you know, you couldn't go on the train for the first week of school because it was blood's initiation week. And people were getting buck fifties on the train, just random people. So that's this brought me back to that place, Dre. So I, I understood him. He wasn't lyrical. He may not have been a gangster, but he was speaking for stuff that I remember in my youth. And it's now that's me. gone. It's gone. It, it and it was quick. He released like his first track last November, like officially on iTunes, not like the random little shit here and there. Last November, his first track hit iTunes. This November. He's a rat. He's gone.
2: Good. Like, man, <laughs> like I I really despise people who exploit the culture. And like, gang culture is nothing to be played with. And eventually, I think it was gonna catch up to him. Like, like I had a problem with Rick Ross being a fake drug dealer. And, you know, at a certain point he's just like, well, whatever, he can rap. But it's, you know, wearing the costume. Takashi like, really wore the costume of a gangster. And it's a mockery of the culture. Like, gang culture just is really not something to be played with. And I never thought it was cute. Like, I didn't rock with it. So what he got in return, I'm good with it. Like, I'm, I don't like people exploiting our culture. Look, man, black folks, we got enough shit to worry about. <laughs> and, you know, like, we can't, which we'll talk about, like, we can't even be the good guy with the gun in America. Like, we can't, we can't even rescue you white people can't do so. no we really can't so for somebody to exploit the culture and get caught up like man have no mercy on that dude man like he's gonna be he might be locked up with real gang members wouldn't that be funny
1: (laughs) i mean i think he is like real right now he got rainbow colored hair on and he's locked up in general population like that that can't be going over well
2: that's what I'm saying, like, but that's what you get. Like, you explored the culture, you made a bunch of money off the culture, and you were, you know, you just got in. You, you weren't even in too deep because you weren't even, like, an undercover. You're just a fraud, and now you're busted. So, peace out. I could care less. Like, good riddance.
1: Dre, I know you You didn't care when his manager in court during the indictment said, you know what, we ain't ratting. It's Treyway," right. in the courtroom. Oh man, this one keeping it real goes wrong. Dave Chappelle was so ahead of his time. The yes. Dave Chappelle skit about this shit would have been hilarious. This is why we need the Chappelle show back.
2: Yeah, it's but like again, man, like I kind of kept tabs on it through social media, but it wasn't really something like again, I just I never cared about the kid. Don't listen to his music. I heard a few songs, it, it did nothing for me. Um I'm not I can't invest my time in that bullshit. Like him and Kanye West. That's how you know you're, you're an old man. This is this Yo. is
1: young people young people's uh, game right here. This is yeah. this is the line that blurs between actual music journalism and gossip journalism.
2: Yeah, I can't I can't do it, man. I can't write about it. Like <laughs> you're lucky that I'm sitting here talking about it, because I, I just really don't care. Like I don't I'm not tweeting about it. I don't care. I don't care. It's not even news it's it's news, but not to me. Like there's more important things to worry about. Who's Fuck
1: your greatest it. studio gangster of all time?
2: My greatest what?
1: Studio gangster. who Like, straight out of low cash. Like, that style studio gangster. Who is the end-all, be-all of hip-hop? We mentioned Ross. I, I feel like Ross, yeah, but it's, it's Ross boss, might have done man. some shit, though.
2: But it, it's Boss. Like, Boss being a Catholic school-going church girl who had a song that said, I don't give a fuck, not a single fuck, not a single solitary fuck, I don't give a fuck, motherfucker, and then got caught. <laughs> being a fraud and got booted out the game we never heard from boss again after that she was studio gangster a one it's like she she took advantage of the culture like gangster rap was a big deal at the time and she embodied that and then got exposed as a fraud before like smoking gun and the internet and everything and the culture wasn't having it the culture wasn't like oh it's okay you can keep rapping it was like oh you're a ceo it's cool no, boss <laughs> was booted. Never heard from him again. Like it was, like I did, I had the album, and I was like, "Oh, I got rid of that shit." I was like, "I can't do this fake shit." So, yeah, boss. That's later. what I
1: wanted to know. Who was the biggest studio gangster? And you came out of left field. I like that one. So that's that's good. The history lesson for the folks here on the on the podcast. Um, real quick before we keep going on, and we're gonna actually talk about something like you know in the social climate of the U.S. and get into some real stuff. Before we dive into that, though, I know we all have that one person in the family or friend or somebody who came home from prison and really just don't know how to act. So when all this shit went down and, you know, I'm trying to work, my cousin hits me up because, and quick, I think I mentioned on the podcast when he got out a couple months ago, he was up north for like a year and a half. My cousin's from Compton, When I first moved to Vegas, i chill with him and my aunt and all this stuff. So it's fam. So he came home from his second stint in prison since, I don't know, past like 10 years. He did a year and a half twice. So he came home this past time, two months ago. And then I got his new number. He hits me up because some new Compton rapper is uh, making moves. And he knows this dude. So he's like, yo, listen to this music. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm listening to it. And it's funny because I'm talking to him about, like, being back now. And I went and I chilled. I saw him, my aunt, my other cousins over Thanksgiving. And it's funny, the little things they still do when you know that they're out, but they're really not mentally out. And Mm -hmm. I'm you got to know someone like that. Like, my cousin, to this day, he was like, yo, you know, uh, I was just chilling the other day. And I had to real quick just tell this dude, yo, you know, I got those hands, though. And I'm like, yo. And he's like, you, cuz, you know I can throw them hands. I'm like, we grown-ass people. Where are you fighting? Like, he was, like, in the bank telling someone he can throw hands. And I'm just like, Why, where are you fighting someone at? Like, I ain't starting no fight. You know, we too old for that, cuz. But if they test me, you know I got that daypa. That I'm like, yo, what are you talking about, fam? That, and he swears by spread. Like, to this day, he would go home and eat spread which is how it explained to me the nastiest shit on earth. But it's like a delicacy, I guess, in prison where you wrap up the Top Robin, some Hot Cheetos, and some other shit like mayo and hot sauce. You roll it up and you eat it. He will eat that today on the outside. I'm like, yo, fam, they got 10 10 nuggets for a dollar at Burger King. There's no way you gotta be eating this. Swears by it. Hmm. Incredible, Drake. People get out of prison, don't know how to act. So when Takashi gets out, I hope you're ready for a whole different type of Takashi, because now he got real street cred.
2: People don't know how to I, act when they come out. I won't be paying him any mind, so I'm not worried about we it. We
1: still ain't see Shine since he got out.
2: Yeah. Well, he's gone. He's-
1: <laughs> People I- don't adjust. It, and it's crazy. So I was like, man, I wonder if Dre know anybody from his, his youth that went to prison and came out. And do they wild out like my cousin?
2: Um, Yeah, I got a cousin. Uh, well, I won't say his name, but nah, I won't uh, say
1: my cousin's name either.
2: Yeah, I mean, he got locked up on some shit. Um, so it, like, I don't even want to say what it was, but it was it was kind of some bullshit. But that, uh, that's the
1: best black man quote ever, though. Like, yo, he got locked up. Yeah, I got locked up on some shit.
2: Yeah, it's like, yo, yeah.
1: now nah, we understand.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, so, like, he got out, and uh, you know, we went to go eat. But yeah, we was young. Well, he's young. He was a lot younger. Um. I, was, I, think it was, I think he was like 19, 20, 21, something like that. Did you take like him was, to brunch? Nah, I didn't take him to brunch. But we did go eat breakfast, right? <laughs> like we went to go eat breakfast, and um, we had like, I think we had waffles and pancakes. And so I'm eating, and I look across, and he's struggling because he's trying to eat his waffles with a spoon. And I'm like, yo, son, you don't need to eat waffles with a spoon and he's like he's looking at me like what do you mean because when you because those that know when you like you don't get it for it you get a sport if you get that so he was cutting his waffles with a spoon and his pancakes and it took him like mad long and he just i couldn't break him from the, i'm like yo there's a knife and he's just looking at me like he's looking at me upside my head like yo you don't do this and i'm like no man like I got a knife and fork. I'm a civilized human being. Like, they do K-Fan in there. So, but yeah, so it was just, it was weird watching him eat. Watching him eat was like, it was almost entertaining to me because I was like, yo, what are you doing? Like just watching how he like stabs his food with a, with a spoon, trying to get it, you know, it was crazy. Yo. So yeah, weird. Between but, him,
1: my cousin, it was funny is my cousin still like that. Like my cousin's like a little, trying to get back to being adjusted, but he's still somewhat normal. Our other cousin, who I won't mention his name either, so the three of us really grew up when I moved out here, he also got out not too long ago, he got out maybe like a year and a half ago, and they said he's gone off the deep end, right, like, you can't take him places, and I was like, that's when you know it's real, when you be like, yo, we can possibly go to, like, Denny's, but I can't take you anywhere civilized, because you've gone to the world, bro, like, you, they've, you've been institutionalized, you ain't never coming out of that. Like, he, you really can't take him anywhere. Like, if he sees someone pick up a knife in a restaurant, like a steak knife, he flips out and has, like, PTSD. Like, he's going to get shanked. Like, it, it's bonkers what he does. I was like, yo. They're like, yo, if you meet him, meet him out in public. Make sure, you know, if you got a bounce, just have your car there. You can't take him around this type of person, this type of I was like, hey, that's some shit. You know, he's yeah. gone, gone to the world. So, pri- prison is the real deal. Um, other thing we got to talk about outside of our crazy family members coming back and Takashi, uh, being a studio gangster is this black security guard situation. Um, I forgot to write down even where it happened. The shit was just so, like, I saw it at work and I was trying to post it and I was just like, yo, I, I don't even want to read too much of the details again about this because this shit is horrible. Um, it was an Alabama mall and looks like the security guard was trying to help the situation. As the cops arrived, there was a shooting there. He had the gun on his hip. It didn't look like he was holding it. He was shot and killed. And all he was doing was doing his job. Or Illinois, excuse me, I said, it's an Illinois security guard. The biggest thing that jumped out to me, and all, all headlines say, black security guard. It's a security guard. Like, there was no questions asked. There was no, what are you doing here? Get, put down your gun, nothing. They shot him, asked questions later. This is the way of the world, right? This is why Kaepernick's taking a knee. How do people still not get this?
2: Because they don't want to get it. I mean, I mean, there's, there's really nothing left to say about it. Like, if you don't get it, the reason why is because you just you really don't want to get it. And there's nothing else to say about it. Because, second amendment rights are not for black people because we're still scary whether we have a gun or not. Which is clear is we're scary that we, when we don't have a gun because we keep getting killed by the police. But um,
1: <laughs> they they kill us if they think we have a gun. This guy actually had a gun, and for all purposes it was part of his job, and they still didn't care.
2: Nah, and, they they, they <sighs> didn't care at all. But I mean, what makes it worse is that. It's, it's, if there's any other example of how inhumane this society is towards black people and the, the inherent fear of the African American, this is a man, again, who was a security guard helping. Now, th- now, this is the first one. This is the second one in 90 days that has been killed by the police because the police got the wrong one. Now, if anybody watches Trevor Noah on The Daily Show, he made a, uh, he talked about it. He was like, look, There's there's no place where you're really safe. Like he he's on the other side. Like he's he is a security guard doing his job, trying to secure the area. Now the funny thing is, more important than anything else, is that if when you look at these situations, we get shot very quickly. There isn't very much like put down the gun, sir. There isn't a lot of uh you know there's no negotiation. It's oh. Nigger with a gun, shoot him, he's dead. Whereas white people like Dylan Roof, they get taken in. The Aurora shooter at the bat for the Batman, the Dark Knight movie, he can, they took him in. When white people die, it's not because they're uh, getting shot by police; they're killing themselves. Like they have to do the cops' job for them because the cops refuse to kill white people.
1: <laughs> That's true. I, I've seen more civilians like just you know legal gun owning civilians shooting criminals who are white than cops shooting criminals who are white they so shoot they shoot people in protection of themselves i'm like oh shit, good job because the cops would have just took him in handcuffs he would have done this again in probably in a year and a half because they get short sentences
2: like tr- like somebody has to make sense out of this like what what more do you have to understand that whereas we just we we keep getting killed and we can't there's nothing that we can do that's right and um i mean this weekend i watched this past weekend for thanksgiving i watched the hate you give and i already read the book but uh to see the movie and to watch it and i mean it's it's scary because you know there's gonna be white people that say they still find things to say about what we shouldn't have done right and start victim blaming well maybe you shouldn't have did this or maybe he shouldn't have did that. Or maybe he shouldn't have reached. Or maybe he should have just turned himself in. But none of this is a reason for you to die. And it keeps happening. and we I mean, I don't know what else to do. Because people are still pissed off at Kaepernick who still can't get a job in the NFL. I think, dude, didn't fucking Tom Savage just get signed this past week? Which Yet. is insane. And it's not because, like, look. Nathan another-
1: Peterman has a tryout with the Broncos this weekend.
2: Look, we'll say this: we got to move on because I got to go to the Laker game tonight, and (laughs) (laughs) I have I have dinner with Showtime soon. But I'll say this, and and I'll and I'll leave it alone. Um, There's not a lot that we can do that is acceptable to to society, being a black being a black person in America, and there is no there's no balance. There hasn't been any balance. There won't be any balance. We're going to continue to fight and be frustrated. And I'm going to talk about this with the Wild Fury fight and what happened at the melee on Wednesday. This all plays into, into the same thing. But we're in, a, we're in a society that just really doesn't care about us and as, in anything that we're doing to protect our blackness. Whereas Ruben Foster has been signed by the fucking Redskins after, what is this, his third domestic violence charge? Two domestics and one drug. Two domestics and one drug. So you, t- if, if Colin Kaepernick beat up Brittany Renner, he'd still be in the NFL. Easy, as long as he's not taking a knee. But if if the man is protesting dying while black, he's he's out of the league. Like th- that's that's really what it's all about. White people, and not white people, and, and listen, I know white people listen to the show. Not all white people, but there's a certain there's a certain group of white people who. If you talk about race in America, if you if you address the fact that racism is an issue in America, they'll get pissed at you and they want you gone. And that's Kaepernick. And that's anybody else, like the security guards, like all this protesting, like why you gotta bring race into it? People want you to be colorblind, it's just not true. So go look look, if you're an athlete, go beat up a woman, go kill your own people, do anything but protest you know, about Racism in America, and you can keep your job. It's fucked up.
1: Yeah, it's a damn shame, but it's the truth, right? Um, Let's get into combat sports. Let's talk about Wilder versus Fury, and it it comes to the same thing. The, The clips we saw of Wilder, or at least I saw of Wilder this week, are the clips, especially the one yesterday with him and Radio Raheem, where he's talking about. You know, our people have been fighting for 400 years, and it was interesting that Raheem kind of posed the question how he did, and it caused the blow-up by Wilder, because he clearly said, your people, and it set Wilder off. Like, I'm, it's our people. He's like, this is the problem, and he, and he's trying, and he's, he's not afraid to speak up about these things, and I, I thought that would kind of make media shy away from it, but... It seems to really spearheaded this groundswell of momentum for this fight. And and Wilder's not just talking trash in which he did that, and, you know, him and Fury were popping off on stage, and it led to near brawl with Fury being shirtless, but Wilder also had really good points to speak up about. He's just not loud for the sake of being loud. He's actually using this platform as well. It's incredible to see that, but I'm still not sure if that message is coming across, or... if mainstream is ready for a guy like Wilder.
2: They're not. I mean, this is like, so it's this, this interesting because I've been kind of keeping track of the build towards this fight and the cultural differences between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And I'm actually writing a story about this t- tonight about why Deontay Wilder is not a superstar because there are like heavyweight has always been the glamor division in boxing. In the past twenty years, well, not 20, 16 years, we haven't had a meaningful heavyweight fight in the states that featured an American since Tyson and Lennox Lewis, and that's when Tyson was washed. She was. Well, but it, since then, did Rockman
1: have a fight here?
2: I, nobody gave a fuck. But <laughs> damn. But but like that's when like Tyson, Holyfield, Bo. Even Buster Douglas and I I got a screen of the documentary, by the way, and I'm about to watch that shit tonight. Um, the the forty-two to one, but Mm. uh, the that the glamour like the heavyweight division has been the cream of the crop in boxing since its inception until like 2002, right? But the funny thing is, like, the reason why the heavyweight division was so great, strangely enough, has always been a black man at the top of the heavyweight division. You've had Ali. You had Joe Louis. I mean, he had Rocky Marciano, but whatever. That was like 1920. You had like Max Schmeling, but that was even before that. But black men have always ruled the heavyweight division. And then the Klitschko's came around, and ruined all that shit, being foreigners fighting in their own country, and just people didn't care. Like America didn't care. So America hasn't had a meaningful heavyweight champion since Evander Holyfield. Yeah. Like we can't we can't talk about having seen Rockman like. These guys like Lehman Brewster when he beat Klitschko, like nobody gave a shit about them. <laughs> you know, it was like it was Holyfield, Tyson, Bo; those were the guys, right? And they were they were important for like different reasons. Now, with Wilder, it's fascinating because people say the heavyweight division dried up because it wasn't exciting anymore. But like Deontay Wilder's forty and zero with thirty nine knockouts is so knocked at everybody's face. Now, the interesting thing is that we've always said is like he fought a bunch of bums in the beginning. Let's just call it what it was. He got a late start in boxing, started at 19, 19, went to the Olympics, got a bronze medal, turned pro, knocked the shit out of everybody, finally got tested by Luis Ortiz, knocked his ass out, blew up <laughs> Romaine Staverne, St- St- and now he's on the cusp of superstardom. But why is he not a superstar? Well, the, 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 the interesting thing is the biggest superstars in boxing have been from other countries lately, or yeah. they've had the backing of another country, Canelo. Um, you even look at Conor McGregor. But Mayweather, I mean, Mayweather bucked the trend. But let, I'll explain why he bucked the trend. And I like the word, the, the, you use the word buck. Because he tapped into the psyche of America and racism by playing the buck stereotype. An ultra-violent, arrogant, pompous black man. Right? And yeah. he played that to the nth degree, to the point where white people wanted to see him lose. And that's why they paid to see him fight. Because if you're a good black man, who recognizes race nobody cares like not since ali has a a black fighter who has been incredibly successful has been able to address race in america evander holyfield didn't address it sugar leonard didn't really address it like he was olympic he was like the golden boy yeah Um, you know like tyson why he was such a big deal was all the controversy because you like the pigeons being from Catskill, new york like that's what tyson was Deontay Wilder represents a different kind of black man. He's not the most articulate. And I don't say that in a bad way. And the reason because he's not calculated in what he does. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't think like Mayweather, like, I need to say this to get a rise out of people. He says how he feels. And if you watch the Bill Torres's fight, he keeps talking about demanding respect. And there's a BT Sport interview where Wilder talks about how hard it is to be a black man in America. And, And American media hasn't really said this. But he talks about, like, nobody wants to see you succeed if you can't be controlled. And I thought that was, that was very articulate for a guy who doesn't, isn't very calculated with what he says. But it's very true. The moment that you can't be controlled, America turns on you. Well, white America does. They're not comfortable with broaching the subject of race. Definitely so you, corporate America. So you look at these two fighters, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua come from overseas. Where to become a superstar, you just need to be good. It doesn't. Nothing else matters. You just need to be good. In America, being good is not good enough. That's not what getting like. That's not what sells tickets. Adrian Broner sells tickets. Fucker is not that good. Yeah. But so Tyson Fury keeps like. So we, let's move to Wednesday. Wednesday at the press conference, it dissolved in this conversation where you keep listening to The Wild and he keeps talking about fighting and earning respect and how hard it is for him. And Fury's like, I've had it hard, too. Then it starts dissolving into the gypsies and African-American plight, the cultural plights of these two people. And Fury says it's not that, you know, he's had it hard. And then Fury just, I mean, Wilder gets pissed because everything that he's talked about is coming full circle where somebody is undermining his struggle and his people's struggle and comparing it without acknowledging it. And I don't think Fury did it on purpose, this is not necessarily Fury's fault, but it's all of of Wilder's frustration coming to the surface. It's like, I'm the heavyweight champion, I kick everybody's ass, people still don't know who I am. And I, I scratch and claw for everything that I got. You know, I started boxing late, I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, people still don't know who I am. Now I'm fighting this dude Tyson Fury, and now y'all want to pay attention. And Tyson keeps saying, I'm going to make him famous, which might be in some ways true. So this this whole thing, it, it, it bubbled to the surface because Wilder has been fighting for respect as a black man in America <coughs> since the beginning, and now he's got somebody that's undermined it, intentionally or unintentionally, who has undermined his blackness and his struggle and his people's struggle in the 400 years of struggle, and then you have this Radio Raheem cat... <laughs> who, who, says, who basically says you people and kind of Jason Whitlock them knowingly or not, that's what he did. It all bubbled to the surface. He now, did Jason
1: Whitlock him, though, like he and like, he had a chance. Like, that's the crazy thing. Wilder gave him a chance and he was like, He was like, Our people, and then he was like, No, explain why you're people. And he doubled down on it. And I was like, Oh, this is over,
2: yeah. And so ultimately, there you know, Tyson Fury is like, I'm in his head, but the thing is, I think. Deontay Wilde, I don't think I think he's he's in the moment, and I don't think he's overwhelmed by the moment. I think he's waited so long for this moment that he's excited, and he's passionate. Like yeah. people like he's overly emotional. I don't I don't see that. He's not nervous. He's not scared. He's ready, and he's overly ready, which which could cause an adrenaline dump on fight night. But it may not because he's waited so long to prove everybody wrong. And this is his real opportunity. Because even beating Luis Ortiz, who was an Olympian, who was a Cuban, who's a bad dude that nobody wants to fight, people still don't give Deontay Wilder the respect. It's going to take him beating an undefeated fighter in Tyson Fury who beat the man, which made him the lineal champion, for people to maybe give Deontay Wilder the respect he deserves. It's hard as hell being a black man in America.
1: <laughs> man, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm not even sure this gives him the the respect he deserves. Because it'll still be Anthony Joshua's division. It will. And Tyson Fury would be the best boxer either of them have fought. Because Fury beat Klitschko. And Klitschko's probably the best name. He is. He's the best name on Joshua's record. And Fury beat him. And do I think this is the same Tyson Fury? No. We'll get into the fight itself. It's not the same Tyson Fury. I think Deontay Wilder will prove to be too much for him. But even then, I don't think Wilder is going to get the respect that he's yelling for, that he's demanding, that he's clamoring for in all these interviews. He's going to be doing the same yelling and, uh, and the same pandering and everything throughout this year and leading up to his fight with Anthony Joshua. It's, he's not the, oh, I hate him. I want to see him lose black man that Floyd Mayweather was so, so good at tapping into, right? That that arrogant, that pompous, that uh, you're entitled kind of black guy that, that white people love to hate. Like, oh, you, you have all this money, you're just flossing it, all this stuff. He pandered to working class white America that really dislikes people who are just you know what? You were given this. It seems like you're th- you're throwing it around. He made those people hate him. Deontay Wilder doesn't have that. Wilder has the "I'm a scary black man" type of thing, which is a whole different type of black man, and, and garners no support. It's you know what? He's big. He has powerful hands, and he's loud. And what he's loud about is uncomfortable. People are uncomfortable with Kaepernick whispering. About racial injustice. And taking a knee. Imagine a guy just knocking someone's head smooth off. And now it's. If I'm not mistaken. This is the first time he's really going to get to knock out a white guy on a huge platform. Granted he's European. But they're going to see a very big. Very powerful black man. Knock out a white guy and stand over him yelling. It's going to scare the hell out of white America. In corporate America, it's going to be harder for Wilder to sell himself going after this. I don't think much changes, even with the knockout. I'm not the respect factor. He might become must-see television, but the respect factor, it's still going to be tough. And, and I don't think that changes for him. Um, before we get into breaking down the actual fight, you you were at the um, fight in London for Joshua. How does the atmosphere compare? between the two best heavyweights in the world?
2: I mean, right now it doesn't. And the reason I say that is because, like, all right, so I'm in L.A., I'm at the Host Hotel, uh, where all the media, the press conference, everything is here. It's like, I just go downstairs and everybody's there. Um, But it's only media. But it's a lot of media. There's, like, Chris Broussard's here. Like, I'm seeing, like, there's a big radio role. It's a big deal. Like, they're treating this fight like a very big deal. The difference, though, is that If I go outside of the Westin Marriott, where I'm at right now, and walk down the street and ask people about this fight, they're going to be like, who? Whereas when I was in London, the moment I got off the plane and got into an Uber or took a train, everybody talked about the fight. Now, it's partially because America has 10,000 sports. So, like, you're you're playing, you're having this fight. Like, LeBron's playing the night. Yeah. Everybody knows LeBron is playing tonight. He's playing the Pacers at Staples. Tomorrow night, the, the Lakers are playing the Mavericks at Staples. Last night, the Clippers, who were number one in the West, and I don't know how the fuck that happened. What? They, yeah, the number one in the Western Conference. They're in first place.
1: What the hell is going on right now? Okay.
2: But uh, see that they, coming. But people, like, even though the Clippers don't get the respect like the Lakers do, More people know about the Clippers than they know about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. That's not to say this is not going to be a big fight. There are a lot of celebrities that are coming out to this fight. It's a big deal. It's a heavyweight fight. But um, it's it's different. It's a different vibe. Like, everybody isn't a boxing fan. Like, there's going to be people coming to this fight to see the spectacle, but they don't really care about the fight because they don't know these guys. Whereas at the Joshua fight, everybody in that arena was a boxing fan. They knew Joshua's record. They knew who Povekin was. They knew the undercard fighters. They knew everything. There's not really fans here. They're just coming to see a show.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, but I think people tune in like, okay, it's pay-per-view. might spend a little money afterwards. or Definitely on social media, it'll be buzzing. Yeah, Everyone no, will I'll be, see the highlights. Everyone will be talking about it. Everyone will go.
2: I think the, the fight's going to be a big deal. And I think a lot of people are going to tune in for this fight. I'm just concerned. Like, it's like you said, like, even if he wins, like, people are going to like, and like, the heavyweight division doesn't have um, an American counterpart. That's where we're kind of at with Deontay Wilder. Like, it's Deontay Wilder and then everybody else from the other countries. It's like the black man faces the world. Whereas like, Tyson had Holyfield. Like, Tyson was beating a bunch of Americans up. So you kind of knew who he was fighting. Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe were two Americans beating the shit out of each other. Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were two Americans beating the shit out of each other. Deontay Wilde doesn't really have that that kind of opponent. He has Tyson Fury, but only boxing fans know Tyson Fury and people overseas. So I'll be surprised. Like, this is a pay-per-view fight. I'll be surprised if this does over 250,000 pay-per-views.
1: It'd be great th- if there was, like, a really good Mexican heavyweight. There hasn't been one of those yet. <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't know if that's genetics or what. Like, you know, like Chris Areola, who fights on the other card, had his chance, but he he just clearly wasn't good enough. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, John Ruiz, nobody wanted to watch him fight. He was terrible to watch. Yeah. He was good. There hasn't been
1: like that Mexican-style heavyweight, because that'd be, that'd be a good foil.
2: Yeah, but it's just, we don't have it, so it's... It's been an interesting atmosphere in LA, uh, but I'll I, I will say this: like I, I thought it was the wrong idea to put this fight in LA. Nah, I like it out here. Like this is this is a a great atmosphere in terms of you know bringing celebrities out and getting attention and having the media because there's no media like LA media aside from like New York media, which I'll get to see in a few weeks with Canelo.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it once again, this is what's good. You bring this to the media, you bring this to the celebs. So, hopefully, when he does come to Vegas, if we get a fight here and it's the Fight Capital World and you build it up, then they will come. And then they have, like, something established and, and they have a connection to Deontay Wilder. So, no, I'm looking forward to that fight. It's going to be good. Official predictions. I have Wilder winning 10th round knockout.
2: Um. I have Wilder win about Knockout 2, but it's interesting because the more that I, I look at these two, the like the one thing about Tyson Fury that's if Tyson Fury would have fought Joseph Parker, Carlos Taccom, Dominic Brazil, anybody. <laughs> anybody of fight, note. I probably would have picked Tyson Fury to win this fight. Because I've always said that Wilder's a little sloppy, he crowds himself when he gets somebody hurt. And Tyson Fury has a great ring IQ. The conditioning is the problem for me. You fought two guys. One of them was woefully undersized. The other guy was just a punching bag. And you won, but does that really get you ready for somebody cracks like Deontay Wilder? I mean, he didn't look that great in those fights
1: either.
2: I mean, he was getting rounds in. So, like, there's a difference between looking great and getting rounds in. Like, Pionetto was a guy that I figured that Fury could have beat earlier, but he needed 12 rounds. He needed to have a 12-round fight. And I said it from the beginning. If he doesn't go 12 rounds, he's not going to fight Wilder. Like, he needs to see what his body reacts for a 36-minute fight. However, there was no resistance. It's different when you're just beating up somebody for 36 minutes versus being in a fight. Wilder versus Luis Ortiz was a fight. Like, if Wilder didn't have the Luis Ortiz fight, I wouldn't pick Wilder to win this fight. But he had Luis Ortiz fight. He knows what it's like to get hurt. He knows what it's like to deal with adversity. And because of that, I'm picking Deontay Wilder by, like, ninth-round KO. But... If Fury wins, it's the worst thing that happen for the sport, and I'll tell you why. It's not because Fury winning is a problem. It's because it'll be an ugly fight. Because the way Fury fights is about disrupting rhythm by using his jab. If you look at the Klitschko fight, he throws his jab, forces Klitschko to reset, and Klitschko can't figure out how to get his punches off. Fury's very good at that. And if he does that to Wilder for 12 rounds, this fight's going to suck. And everybody's going to hate it. And he's going to win a decision. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm picking Wilder by eighth round knockout because I feel like those crazy punches, one of them's going to catch Fury eventually. and He's going to not know what hit him.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. You know what? Three years ago, Fury, I would have given a good chance to beat Wilder. I would have. It's just, you know, it takes, it takes its toll. Long layoffs in general take its toll. The reason for his and, you know, having to bounce back from drugs, and I'm glad he's cleaned it all up and uh, he seems to be on the right path. And kudos to him for that. But those still take their toll on your body. And when you're facing athletically one of the the best fighters in the world, it, I think it's going to rear its its head towards the end. If Wilder had a body punch, if Wilder showed the ability to go to the body, oh, I would have said this over in six. Because yeah. Fury just, he, it, the physique just doesn't hold it right now. Where he can take those bodies. But I don't think Wilder has that. Just like Wilder doesn't have a... A reliable jab. So those holes in Wilder's game will take this a little longer than, than need be, but I'd say 10th round. Um That's boxing. Switching over to MMA real quick. We have the UFC. A lot of changes in the UFC. Sage Northcutt being one of them. It really took over the, I, I guess, the news, the news waves this week, uh, especially social media. Talking about Sage Northcutt and being let go by the UFC, Dana White was saying that he let him go. Sage pretty much walked. They've been paying Sage a lot at a young age. If it would have just kept escalating, he would have been—he would have had to be champion to justify his purses in the UFC. So looks like they're letting him walk. Do you think this is a trend? Do you think we just see the UFC saying, we're not going to pay guys. We're making a lot more money, but you're going to have to keep making the same thing. If not, you can walk.
2: Um, I think they're going to rectify this by not paying fi- unproven fighters too much money. I think that was the biggest problem. Paying Sage Northcutt what they paid him, even though he was a draw. Like, the thing about Sage, he was a draw. Um, people did watch him fight. But they paid him too much. And now, when he's just now figuring shit out, they don't want to pay him. Which means somebody else is going to get him at a discounted rate, and which it seems like it might be one. And good for them, because now you have an opportunity to... Uh, create a star. You know, like, I think Sage North could still very much be a star. But as far as UFC goes, it's, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference to them. They're the UFC. They do whatever the fuck they want.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not going to hurt them. As long as they have a few stars on top to sell pay-per-views, they, they'll be able to justify uh, their entire payroll because it's not that much. And right now, they're just going off of overhead. You know, WME invested in a company. They want to return in that investment. If you don't fit the model of what they think they should pay you, they can let you walk. They let an entire division walk. I think they'll be fine losing one Sage North Cut. That's not to say that they don't sign him again in the future. So we, we'll see how that goes. I think we'll see more of this happening, though, where you have these people they were willing to bring in at 21, 22 and, and try to develop. They're, they're not in the market of developing people, I don't think, anymore. At that young of an age. I think they're happy with taking, you know, the the Adesanyas who are a little older and establishing kickboxing and fast-tracking them and just seeing what they have, and instead of building someone up at 20 and letting you develop all the way through the ranks. I think those days for them are done. They'll let, you know, one, Bellator, be the, the developmental, and then they'll just break the bank for people who prove that they can be stars in those
2: promotions. I mean, and, even if they do that, I mean, they still have the Contender Series, so they're not... They're not really concerned. Like, they know they can get it for cheap. And as long as you can get it for cheap, that's what they're going to do.
1: All right. UFC actually has two cards this week, though. I'm in Vegas still because I'm covering the Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, You know, Dre's too big time to stay stay in town for the Ultimate Fighter finale, though.
2: Yeah, fuck that. I didn't watch a single episode of this season.
1: Um, I'm doing like I usually do, and that's watching the semis and the finals tomorrow. And that's all I ever watch. I never watch anything other than that, so I'm not breaking tradition. Um, On this card, though, for the ultimate fighter, we have Joseph Benavidez versus Alex Perez, which is actually a pretty good fight and might be the last 125-pound fight. Yeah. I think this is the last scheduled 125-pound fight. Uh, Benavidez will have to move up after this if he wins. I think the division's a wrap. I don't care what happens in that title fight. Um, even if TJ loses, I, I think they absolve that division.
2: Yeah, it's like when they, uh, when, like, who was it? Uh, when they merged the titles together in WWE and made it the undisputed title.
1: Undisputed title? Like Chris Jericho's status?
2: Yeah, it's just <laughs> exactly what's happening here. It really doesn't matter, but, uh... Yeah, I mean, the Benavides fight, good for him. He's getting a fight. I just, does he go back up? I don't know what happens to these guys. So, that being said, I really don't care about the
1: yeah, fight. Yeah, the only fight, really, is the main event. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman. And uh, it's it's a fight I've been going back and forth on. I think Usman wins, though. I, I think, you know, Dos Anjos had his time. I think Usman with the wrestling. And, and we've seen um, the way... He, and we see what kind of be did to RDA and stuff in the past. To, to beat RDA, you have to have uh, enough to slow him down. You don't want to really stand and trade there with him. So uh, I, I think Usman has that grinded-out style where he'll take this all five rounds and just wear on Dos Hanos.
2: Yeah, I'm, Usman is... Um, so if I got in the time machine, right, and I went back like two years, Tyron Woodley is Kamaru Usman right now. Tyron Woodley two years ago is Kamaru Usman right now. So, yeah, like body type, learning how to strike, imp- impressive wrestling. So you know Usman hasn't been beaten yet in the UFC. So I just think Usman's wrestling is too much. Um, his striking is evolving. He could catch RDA. So I'm picking Usman here. I mean, you know the Spider Man meme where they're pointing at each other. That's what happens when Usman and Tyron Woodley finally <laughs> do.
1: <fights> and <each> <laughs> which might happen because really, if Woodley beats Covington. He's run through number one through four already. Usman's the only fresh matchup that he'd have. Yeah. And and you'd have to go with the fresh matchup. Because um, no one was close besides Wonder Boy, and we really aren't at the point where we see a third Wonder Boy fight. Yet.
2: No, not, not at all. I mean, the only other person... Well, to be honest, the main person you should pay attention to is Ben Askren is fighting Robbie Lawler. If Ben Askren wins, you might you might have something, somebody disrupt the apple cart. Like, Askren can fight Usman, because Askren obviously isn't going to fight Woodley. Uh, well, I won't even say obviously. Probably not. But uh, Askren's the guy who can come and just disrupt this entire division, because he's really that good. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, that's that wouldn't be bad at all. I mean, I, I'll
1: take that one. Um, then we have UFC uh, Adelaide which is in Australia that's coming on to us on Saturday. And again, you know, they pack it with a bunch of uh, hometown guys and that's cool. But I think the top three or four fights on this card are actually good. Uh, We'll start with three Tyson Pedro versus Mauricio Shogun. uh, um, That's good. I think this might be the end of Shogun. Probably He, He loses this one. We see a retirement fight, drop the gloves. And I think he actually loses. Um, he had, I mean, he beat uh, Corey Anderson not too long ago. That's two years ago. Volante, Anthony Smith knocked his ass out. So we'll see what this means for him. Uh, co-main event, Mark Hunt versus Justin Willis. So Mark Hunt, still top 10 fighter. I think Mark Hunt still has one more
2: knockout in. Him. What do you think? No, I agree. I think, I mean. Walk I off. Everybody- yeah, everybody that fights Mark Hunt looks at him and is like, ah. Oh. Because he'll lose a fight, and you'll be like, ah, oh, he's washed. And then they'll just get in punches range, and he'll hit him and be like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm dead. So I think that's kind of what's going to happen here. You get in the punches range, and then you die. And then you come back to life, and Mark Hunt's like, he's walking away. Like, I love how Mark Hunt walks off, and he hits you so hard when he walks off. He walks off not impressed with his own knockout. He's just like, why didn't he even show up?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's so upset by the knockout. He's just like shaking his head like, yeah. It's like I could have done a little bit better. So, uh, no, I think uh, Justin Willis will stand and trade. I remember him from UFC 218. I haven't seen too many of his other fights. I think he's going to sleep. And then main event I'm actually interested in, uh, Junior Dos Santos versus Ty Tuivasa. Uh Ty is super cool. Interviewed him yesterday. Undefeated. This is by far his biggest test, though. And he's another guy that likes to stand and bang seven first-round finishes out of eight. Arlowski, uh took him the distance. It'll be interesting to see if he can go five with a guy like JDS. Um, man, Junior Dos Santos, to me, is still so, so dangerous. It's hard. He lost to Stipe. I, I'm going to pick Tuivasa, but I'm, I'm not sold on that. This seems like a, a trap fight for an up-and-coming fighter.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is rough, man. I mean, Dos Santos is... Uh... He's still got power. He's still a great kickboxer. He's
1: so technically Uh, sharp with the boxing.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of things he does really well. But it's like Tuivasa is a guy who's coming along very well. Um, The division needs new blood. So it's like, I'm going to pick Tuivasa because I feel like the youth is going to overcome the experience in this particular fight.
1: Yeah, I I think Tuivasa has to take him out early, though. Like, he has to catch him in the second and third and hurt him. You don't want to go five rounds with a guy who's just surgical picking you apart. And we saw kind of that with Arlovsky fight. Arlovsky was able to cut him. It got real ugly and bloody. And, it, you know, Ty, his cardio really was looking a little shaky in the third. Imagine adding two more rounds to that. So that's that's a little rough. Um, I'll pick Ty, but it's going to have to be early in that one. So last, last topic to discuss, pro wrestling. And we've we've it seems like we've had a long hiatus from pro wrestling. Um I went to Survivor Series. I was there for Survivor Series in the Raw after um that I wasn't there for NXT, but let's talk about some of those things. So we have NXT Takeover War Games that happen. I think it's one of the best takeovers we've seen. But I I feel like we say that every time
2: yeah see so so this is the thing about this takeover it didn't have a five-star match but it had all the matches were very good in their own unique way so i enjoyed it like like
1: there was a lot of 4.5s like that's
2: like there were there were some great matches there wasn't a five-star match but there were like it was low like it there was not a dull moment on that card like i was watching that takeover show and i'm just sitting there going man this is this is fun like This is really fun. Then I watched Survivor Series. I'm like, ah, shit. But but overall, I mean, you know, Ciampa and Dream, Gargano and Black was excellent. I mean, that whole, like, the psychology of that match was was great. See, I like Um, Ciampa
1: and Dream a little bit better than Black versus
2: Gargano. I mean, look, it's. it's That was Dream's
1: best match.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. Like, look, can't underestimate how good Ciampa is as both a wrestler and a heel. He is excellent at what he does.
1: The crowd popped so hard when they thought Dream was going to win. When he hit that elbow, like, it it was incredible. And Dream continuing to just troll Hulk Hogan is amazing.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, he knows the man (laughs) that cut him, he's going to troll him forever. The Hollywood Hogan gimmick in L.A. was just spot on. Yeah, and then, like, I mean, I think it's even better that he hulked up and Chama kind of no-sold all that shit. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, I just, everything about that match was great to me. Like, NXT just, the War Games was great. Um, got, got Kari Sane and Shayna Baszler, like, a two out of three fall sprint. Like, that was a sprint. And it was entertaining as hell. Yeah, like, EO Shirai's,
1: like, moonsault was crazy. It's the best yeah, form I've I, ever seen on one.
2: It's just, it's just, NXT is a third brand, and I say it every other week, it seems like now. I don't want to see these guys go to the main roster. Like, I just stay where you're at. Stop signing people and just enjoy NXT for what it is. Yep. The like, hardcore don't
1: wrestler's that. promotion.
2: Yeah, it's just, this is what, that's what it's become. For us who are critical of the main roster, like, this past we this past uh, Monday Night Raw was absolutely dreadful.
1: Oh, that was horrible. I got through half of it I couldn't watch
2: yeah, like I just don't want to watch guys like Ciampa and Gargano. Like I don't want to see them wasted. Guys like Lars Sullivan, go ahead. You yep. seem like you're the perfect fit, fit for all that. EC three? He can these... go too. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like he's probably gonna get lost in the shuffle too. I'm but here. uh overall it's just like, you know, Takeover is, is NXT and Takeover is just it's a weekly show that's for wrestling fans. Um, it does a good job of storytelling. It's like what ROH should be, but it's not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they took all their talent. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is.
2: It, it, yeah. But TakeOver overall, fantastic show front to back. I mean, Riddle killing um, Cassius Ono was great in the beginning. Like, it's overall one of the best TakeOvers.
1: My boy Ricochet with the double backflip.
2: Yeah, like he's determined to kill himself, but I'm here for it.
1: <laughs> that shit was incredible. I was like, oh, I've never seen anything like this.
2: Anything. No. Fantastic. Like, and Pete Dunn, you know, kind of hiding the injury, but working through it the best way he could. Like, everything about it. One other thing before we move on. The, the most understated talent who has been excellent, it did. It, it doesn't get talked about enough, is Roderick Strong. This guy as a heel is fantastic. Yeah. He, he has just, to be
1: the one to break away, right? Like, he has to be the one to challenge, like, a ricochet for that title. Because unless you have the Freebird rule for those tag titles, like, Bobby Fish has to slide back in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, Roddy is, you know, he, he, every promotion he's been in, anybody who's followed Roderick Strong's per, uh, career, every promotion that he's been in, when he's a babyface, it's boring. But once he goes heel, it is fun. And, like, when he is a PWG, heel, ex, like, everywhere he goes where he's a heel, it's just so much better. But his work rate in the ring, like, when he turns up, the dude turns up from the backbreaker. There's a to... million
1: different variations of those.
2: Two. Yeah, like the sick kick. I mean, Roger Strong. It just it like it goes without saying. Like people don't really appreciate how good he is. He's a guy who absolutely him, Kylo Riley. I mean, unless they go as a unit, the undisputed era to the main roster, they just get lost in the shuffle because they don't have a unique look to them. But they work their ass off. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I, I think as a unit, keeping this together as a unit would be the best thing if they have to move up. Until then, let them just dominate down here. I'm I'm fine with that. Um so that was NXT War Games, then we had Survivor Series which you kind of already touched on being a letdown from NXT takeover. But I didn't mind Survivor Series, uh maybe cuz I was
2: there. I mean, and- it wasn't a, It wasn't a bad show. It just in comparison it wasn't good. I mean, everything turned up once uh, Ronda and Charlotte went at it. Ooh.
1: Yeah. So, one, it was a clean sweep for Team Raw. Which is weird. With, to... no, with no repercussions. SmackDown no. ain't do shit. They lost every match and then showed up on Tuesday like it was fun.
2: I need somebody to explain to me why. I'm dead ass. Why did we go through so much of this, uh, you know, if you don't bring home the World Cup, don't come back to SmackDown, but lose every fucking match in Survivor Series and nothing happens. I, somebody's got to explain that shit. To me. I have no clue. Why, why isn't Shane fired from his role? It's like, dog, you, <laughs> yo, the World Cup, the general manager won, which means your roster's trash, right? The general yeah, manager won. So basically much. your roster's trash. So you should have put the fire under him as like, look, you couldn't win the World Cup. I had to do it. In some fucking Jordans in a baseball jersey. So when we go to Survivor Series, you guys need to win. Not, not only did you not win, you didn't win a single fucking match. Not Except for answer. the pre-show.
1: Pre- Except- yes, which Xavier Woods won't let us forget.
2: No, nor should he. Because it's like, <laughs> come on, man. He's going with this the 6-1
1: like- gimmick. 6-1. So um, but, uh, Team Raw, women's match. It's going down real quick. Women's match, Team Raw beats Team SmackDown. Um it comes down to Oscar and Naya Jacks. Naya Jacks picking up the win. Right? Or is it Sasha Banks? No, yeah, it was. Uh, it was Naya and Oscar cuz Sasha Banks gets eliminated by Oscar after Naya turns on her. Um Naya's last woman standing. I'm not surprised cuz she has to feud with Ronda next. So you got to keep her strong.
2: No, I mean I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, this all can be rectified with Oscar winning the SmackDown title in this tables laddish and chairs match.
1: I love your theory, by the way, on that.
2: Let's talk about it. So we're gonna move ahead a little bit because the TLC match, which is now Becky and Charlotte basically have just said, Fuck friendship, we're gonna beat each other up. Because we need something to do before we get to WrestleMania. Correct. So they're having this TLC match, but Asuka won the battle royal to inject herself into this feud. Now, for most people, Asuka has now become an afterthought. She's the one who must take the pin. I have a different theory. My theory is this. You know that after what happened with Ronda and Charlotte, you know that WrestleMania is the prime real estate to be headlined by women. This, You know that you have to go this route. There is no hotter feud in wrestling than Ronda versus Becky and or Charlotte. So... In order to get there, you need to get one of them to the roster because it kind of doesn't make sense to have a champion versus champion match because then the champion, it doesn't matter who wins because nothing really happens. So, what you need to do is have one of them lose the title, which would mean at the TLC match that Asuka should win the SmackDown women's title. You send Charlotte and Becky to the Royal Rumble and you go Luger Bret Hart, where they eliminate each other at the same time. So, you have a tie. And because they tie, they get to pick who they want to face at WrestleMania, and they both pick Ronda Rousey, which means they both move over to Raw to face Ronda Rousey for the title. That's the route you should go. Turn Asuka heel. Find a way to get Sasha and Becky off of Raw and onto SmackDown. Sasha and Bayley. That's how you do this. I mean, Sasha and Bayley. Find a way to get them off of Raw because there's nowhere for them to go with Ronda, Nia, and if Becky and or Charlotte show up, there's nothing for Sasha and, and, and Bailey to do. So send them to SmackDown to deal with Asuka. Because you got to turn Asuka heel at this point. Because if she wins the title, you can't have her as a babyface. She needs to beat the shit out of Naomi, and then they need to feud.
1: But oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here with all of that. Like, that makes so much sense that it can't happen.
2: No, it won't happen. Like, Asuka's probably going to lose the TLC match, so that, the, the, the belt should be on hanging up somewhere. So. You know, Becky. I'm, I'm all for
1: it. Becky and Sasha just taking each other out, though. And Oscar's like, "Oh, really?" And she just that, climbs and finds the shit.
2: Yeah, like that's It's the way to keep the feud hot because now Charlotte and Becky are now blaming each other for the title. So at the Royal Rumble, these two are the only two left in the ring, and they eliminate each other because they're pissed. But now you turn your attention back to Ronda Rousey. You, and now you have a triple-threaded mania. Like, I wasn't too fond of the idea of Charlotte being involved in a triple-threaded mania for against Ronda and Becky. But after what Charlotte did to Ronda at Survivor Series, I'm kind of like, all hey, right, cool. You have a flair. You have Becky, who's the hottest in, personality in all of wrestling. And you have Ronda. So go for it. I'm with you it. you got to get them over.
1: Yeah, that's that's the main event. And being there and seeing the, the hits... Charlotte beat Ronda's ass with that kendo stick. Yeah.
2: In real life. Like Uh, like there
1: was real, real, like there was no, like Ronda took every one of those. I was like, damn. And I was sitting there, um, with Travis and his two sons. And I was like, yo, and they, I mean, you know, they were backstage with Ronda beforehand. They knew what was coming. Even they were shocked when they saw it. They were just like, damn. Like she really, really got hit. And, uh, it's crazy because after Survivor Series, we went back. We could meet Ronda and um, the staff. Everyone met Ronda the night before. I wasn't there for a TakeOver. So I went back after Survivor Series to meet Ronda and say what up to Travis and everything. And I was like, damn. like It's incredible how nice she was for just taking a ton of hits with a kendo stick. And uh, it was cool. She gave like us pictures for the site. And damn, those welts were real. So that That was crazy to see. Um, And they actually had a pretty good match.
2: No, they did. So, Ronda in-ring
1: is fine. Like, they need someone else to write her promos. Because I feel like maybe Vince McMahon is writing them himself. Um, Because he's like, no, this is Ronda. I'm doing everything myself. She's too big and valuable for anyone else to do anything. And his shit is dated. Like, who created Millennial Man? Who's talking about Avocado Toast? Like... It's bad. Yeah, whoever's writing her shit needs to change. She needs a new writer for the promos. In ring, she's fine. She's The learning curve for her is non-existent. She's hit the, the road moving. And the way she sells is better than the way she actually lands her moves and gets her yeah. stuff in. She's amazing at selling. So that was a great match. Uh, Seth Rollins beat Nakamura in a match that wasn't too bad to me. I mean, it was cool. Twenty-one minute match. It was Knox's best match on the main roster. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, <laughs> and it's still it was cool. Like it's his best match on the main roster. You just know, sold Knox's best match.
2: I mean, because I, I feel like I, I give that more credit to Seth Rollins than I do Nakamura. Like Seth. Nakamura still works lazy to me. It's kind of weird. Like Seth. Seth was doing everything in his power to make that match great. Seth was on oh. fire. Like I mean, dude. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, because, you know, Roman's out, it feels like Seth against Brock might be your match at WrestleMania. Because it feels like... like No, no, Strowman Strowman will have
1: the belt before that. Strowman's going to win the belt at Rumble. Only thing he has to do, and they announced it on Raw, getting ahead of ourselves again, is beat Corbin at um, TLC, and then he gets Brock at Rumble. So I, I think that's the way they go, and you give Strowman the belt. And then maybe the men's Rumble, I think we see Drew McIntyre win.
2: Yeah, I get, I, you could go that route. I don't know. Like, it, this is the first time in a long time where the men, like, it's it's really confusing because it's, it's kind of stale. Um, the women are hot, but the guys, it's just like, there are no really good feuds on the roster. Because so much was like, put around Roman, though. So no, they, I mean, they, which is true. Which is true, but I mean, even AJ and Daniel Bryan, you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, like, 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 I don't want to see Seth Rollins wrestle Dolph Ziggler ever again. But they keep going back to <laughs> they it. They keep
1: doing it. I mean, that's, that's so really I, all I he mean, has. I mean, well, I guess not now. Now he has a full program with Dean Ambrose, which we've seen before. Yeah,
2: yeah it's just, I'm curious, like, how much juice can you squeeze out of that feud? Not
1: much. So. It has to end sooner or later. Um, and then we had AOP beating the bar I I don't like Drake Maverick with Authors of Pain it makes them feel like a gimmick a comedy tag team yeah. instead of like the force that they were in NXT
2: they, no I mean it's bad it's, yeah. it's, it's like the PP thing like you know shout out to, to Kaz the homie who let off the first PP joke on Raw <laughs> that show I mean, was funny though <laughs> Um, But it's just like, man, the general manager of 205 Live, which is one of your best work rate shows, is pissing himself. Um, As a manager for AOP, who had Paul Ellering as their manager originally, we're a destructive force. But now the whole angle is we're pissing on things. We're peeing on robes. Like, you're pissing on Bobby Roode. Like, Bobby Roode still being a babyface is the most baffling thing in the world to me. It's ridiculous. He needs to be
1: traded to SmackDown, too.
2: No, he just, I don't know what they got to do with him. But, like, this whole pissing thing is dumb. Like, like, everything. Everything on the main roster, aside from the women, is stale. Well, everything on
1: Raw. I, I still enjoy
2: SmackDown. It's okay. I, it's decent. It, how about, I can get through it. I mean, yeah, because it's only two hours. But even, like, the tag team scene, it's like, how many times can we do the, like, the circle jerk with the Usos, the bar, and the New Day? What the fuck? Yeah. They can't wrestle each other every goddamn week, or can they? It's like Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins every week. We need a shake-up. We need a superstar shakeup again. No, uh, you don't even ones. need a superstar shake-up. You just need different people to win. Like, Samoa Joe hasn't won by pinfall in over a year. That's got to <laughs> stop. Yeah. it's Like, like you just got to have – you have to have better feuds. You have the talent. You don't really need a shake-up. You have the talent. Push different guys. Push different talent. Like Rusev should get a run, and hopefully gets a run with Nakamura. But, the, like, get Randy Orton out of here for a minute. Shit. Yes,
1: please. No one's no one's clamoring for that. Um. And then, you know what? Joe should go over. On Hardy, Hardy doesn't need to win. This should be a oh, few Joe can win.
2: Joe needs to be somebody. Like,
1: I mean, he was in the main event picture for so long, though. So between injuries and the main event picture. Who is he going over? It was Roman Reigns. um, It was Roman Reigns, then AJ Styles. Styles. And in the middle. And then I think he faced um, Daniel Bryan in there. Those are three hard people to go over on. And then you were injured the rest of the time. So this is the first feud he's had in two years where, you know what? You look at him, he should probably win.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't like Joe being the big show. And what I mean by that is the Big Show is a guy who they, they build up to be this monster heel just to lose to the new champion. It happens every time. Anytime there's a new champion, and not lately, but if you go back like the past 10 years, every time there's a new champion, the Big Show comes out. And he's the first menace they got to face because they got to prove themselves the champion. They got to beat the Big Show. Samoa Joe's become that guy. The big dangerous dude who comes just to lose. It's got to stop.
1: Yeah. Um, Team Raw beat Team SmackDown, uh, Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. I thought it was a good match. 18-minute match for Lesnar. He's definitely getting back in the UFC shape, too, by the way.
2: Yeah.
1: Paul I mean, Heyman he, announced him like at
2: two,
1: yeah, 265 pounds. I was like, oh, yeah. Paulie, you're clever. Not many people caught that, but I was like, I like that little touch. Um, but, no, I, I thought Lesnar you know, started off hot. Daniel Bryan got a lot of offense in. He was kicking the hell out of Lesnar. Like, those kicks to the have. face were landing. Yeah, like, there was no cushioning the blow. I guess when you're that small, you got to really put everything behind you when, when you hit that big-ass guy. But Lesnar took a lot of bumps. He sold a lot to Daniel Bryan, and then he came through and won. But I thought that was a very good match.
2: Yeah, no, it was a really good match. I mean, I, I enjoyed that match. Um, I didn't think it was like the greatest match. I mean, there were some people like, oh, it's like a five star match. No, it wasn't. Oh, no, no, uh, no. It wasn't
1: as good as Lesnar Styles from last year.
2: No, but it was like, I enjoyed it, was it. damn like,
1: good.
2: I, yeah. Yeah. I liked what they did. Um, you know, Lesnar kind of escaping the match when Daniel Bryan got high. Cause there was a minute that you thought Daniel Bryan was going to win. Yeah. Um, but they did a good job, man. I mean, I those like heel two-
1: Daniel Bryan too.
2: Yeah, there's people that don't like heel Daniel Bryan, but I don't I don't mind him at all. Like I, I hate I think- how he
1: got there. The low blow shit has to stop. There's many other ways yeah. to go heel than hitting someone in the nuts and winning. What happened to like hitting someone with the ring belt or a chair behind someone's back? Hit someone with just the belt. You don't have to always low blow someone.
2: But, yeah, it gets a little out of control.
1: Yeah, but outside of that, I like heel Daniel Bryan. The promos he's been cutting as a heel are cool because it was just like, you know what? It's my time. Like this is my title. I was tired of being the good guy.
2: Yeah, it all make like it all makes sense. Like Daniel Bryan, I, I'm interested how they play all of this because Bryan and AJ. I mean, if you're getting AJ out of the title picture, where exactly does he go? So it's it kind of this all could be interesting. I, I get we're in that we're in that time, and it happens every year from August after SummerSlam to the Royal Rumble. It's some weird shit that happens. People get hurt. Pe- weird people have the title and they, they're trying to figure shit out. So I'm going to give them a pass, except that you have so much talent that Raw should never be that terrible. Um, But, you know, we'll see where these guys go. Hopefully it shakes out right before the Royal Rumble. We get some interesting feuds. Just right now, it's kind of stale.
1: Yeah, so this is the time. This is usually the stale time in WWE, though, right? Yeah. So we're, we're approaching the point where Royal Rumble really sets off the road to WrestleMania. We start shaking some shit up. So hopefully that goes there um that's our show this week though we went a solid hour we're gonna let Dre get out of here and go to his dinner and go to this Lakers game so he could be Hollywood Dre tonight so you enjoy that everyone else thank you guys for listening to another episode of the corner podcast make sure you follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms me at Cal Dansby him at Andreas Hale it was fun talking to you guys again we'll be back again next week And the week after that, and the week after that, bringing you great content here. We appreciate it. Till next week, we're out. Peace.